What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can find me over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. I do a lot of threads over there, usually one per day in the evening to just wrap up some key players. I post out all my shows over on Twitter, and then, of course, my articles from Sunday also get linked out over there. So follow at JoeOrico99, and you guys get access to everything that I do fantasy baseball-wise. Now, I figure it's time that I start promoting this in earnest. Next Tuesday, I'm going to be live for four hours in the afternoon. It was originally going to be three and a half hours. We have now pushed it to four. It's going to be three till 7 p.m. It'll be trade deadline day, and I'm going to be live throughout the day with a bunch of people that you guys know and love in the fantasy baseball industry. I'm still working out a schedule, and we're still figuring out exactly who's going to be on there, but it should be between 12 and 15 people-ish coming on uh, in that time frame. Just to talk about the news of the day, look back on the first half of the season a little bit. It should be a lot of fun. Mark your calendars, August the 2nd. It is a Tuesday, 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. It'll be live on YouTube, and I'm going to try and get it going on uh, on, tw- on sorry on Twitter as well. I was going to say Twitch, but no, it won't be on Twitch. It'll be on YouTube for sure, and I'm going to try and pull off the Twitter as well because I'm not the most technically adept, but I think I should be able to manage uh, manage doing that for sure. Going to be looking back on yesterday's games like we always do, a couple of the top performers with a focus skewed toward pitching a little bit. We'll talk about some position players, but there's always some pitchers that stand out on a day-to-day basis that we will talk about. We'll go ahead and we'll break down the waiver wire for you guys in those daily changes leagues, talk about the most popular ads and drops today. And then I usually give you guys my matchup of the evening, but tonight there are probably four or five of them that could qualify. Probably four. I'd say probably four of them. So we'll run through some of my favorite pitching matchups that are going to be taking place throughout the day. Because there are some day games today, but there's also uh, one or two decent ones happening tonight. So we'll get to all of that. First off, though, we will start with yesterday. So Pablo Lopez, he was pretty far and away the best performer of the day. Seven innings pitch, 11 strikeouts, one earned run. He only gave up two hits on 94 pitches. He was dominant, no question. Pablo Lopez was dominant. And I wonder if it's the last start he's going to make as a Marlin. I've seen some notes recently that everybody is on the trade block except for Sandy Alcantara, that everybody could be on the way out the door. I don't know if they're going to do that. Who knows how accurate anything is. I don't know anymore when I read something on Twitter what to believe or really. I mean, if you're looking at a proper publication, uh, The Athletic or ESPN or whoever, then you're more likely to believe what you're reading. Still, I don't think that anybody has a proper picture of what's going to happen here. The Red Sox are a good example of that. The Marlins are another one. We don't know what they're going to do. Are the Marlins going to trade Chisholm and, and Lopez and all their prospects? Not, maybe not their prospects. There's no reason to trade their prospects. But all their established players in exchange for more younger guys and just build around only Alcantara? That's what I've heard rumored. I don't think that that's too likely. I don't think that's fair to Alcantara, first of all. Why Why would you put him through that? You have a guy who's a franchise pitcher. You can start building around him. I don't see the need to tear it down. Just keep adding more pieces to that core. I don't I don't know. Like The, the pitching core is really solid in Miami uh, between Alcantara, Lopez. We have Max Meyer and Edward Cabrera coming up. Like There's a lot of promise over there. So I don't know how true these rumors are. Um, but I think it is possible that we do see some movement there. Now, I, I don't know. I'm just looking back at this uh, report from yesterday from MLB Trade Rumors. Marlins open to trade offers on Pablo Lopez looking to upgrade offense. So I don't know what exactly 
they're going to do there because they kind of need a guy like Pablo Lopez in their rotation. It's a good it's a good mix of pitchers, but as of right now, those younger guys that I mentioned, Meyer and Cabrera, are not game ready yet at all. Now they're not really competing this season, so maybe they're just going to take a mulligan and say, okay, we'll hope that Trevor Rogers can be better next season. We'll put some more pieces around offensively. Those guys, I I don't really know. Uh, for if it was me, I would probably just keep building around who you have. I don't know why you'd want to get rid of Pablo Lopez. He's only 26 years old. For me, it doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense. But I think it is definitely something that we have to be on the lookout over the next week. He was ridiculous yesterday. He had a 41% CSW percentage. He threw 64 strikes on 94 pitches. I don't know. I don't know why you'd want to get rid of that guy. If the if you want to get rid of him, the Jays will happily take him. I don't understand uh, a lot of what goes on in baseball nowadays. It really, it really doesn't make any sense. A 26-year-old pitcher who is... He's not like the top top tier elite level pitchers in baseball, but he's maybe one or two steps below. I think he's a top twenty five ish pitcher in baseball. Why would you trade him? I just it doesn't make sense to me. I don't know what we're going to see over the next week, but this is why we're doing a live show so that we can break down all these things as it happens. Got a ton of people who are going to be able to analyze this. So if he does get traded, we'll have you covered. I'm just I'm not sure why they would go that route. It doesn't really make any sense to me. Uh, it would boost his value for sure if he goes to really any contender, assuming that we're not talking about like a terrible ballpark here like Yankee Stadium. Uh, we should be looking at most likely anyway, we'll be looking at more wins for him. I mean, he's got seven. He's not. It's not terrible, but wherever he goes, you figure it's not going to be a shit team that's going to dish out for him. It'll be one of those Yankees or Mets or Cardinals or whoever. Uh, so you get you got to figure there'll be more win opportunities. He'll should be able to keep up what he's done to this point. He's got a three point zero three ERA, one point zero four WHIP. He's been fantastic. Uh, if I pull out his ranking for the season, I think he jumped into the top one hundred last night. If I'm not mistaken, uh, forgive me here, guys. I'm just gonna pull that up. He is the seventy second ranked player on the season. Pitchers, position players, the whole shebang. Top seventy five for Pablo Lopez. I think that he could possibly even push top 50. Let's say that he goes to, let's, what's a good example here? Maybe the Cardinals. The Cardinals would probably be a good, a good bet there because they're not in such a, you know, an extreme ballpark one way or the other. They're going to be competing good lineup. So I think that would be a, a really good destination for him. Again, all speculation. I have no idea what's going to happen with Pablo Lopez, but we will see over the next week. Will he get another start with the Marlins? Uh, as of right now, he's scheduled to face the Mets on Sunday. We'll see if he gets there or if he's maybe, I don't think the Mets are going to acquire him, but we'll see who he's pitching for anyway uh, as the week goes on. Let's talk about Keegan Thompson. He threw seven strong, got the victory. He struck out seven as well and only allowed four base hits. That's about as quality as you're going to get from Keegan Thompson, man. He's been a little up and down this season. There's been a couple of bad starts. Last time out against the Mets was was rough. Five earned runs and four walks in four and a third innings. There's been a couple of bad ones that have really dragged him down. And I say dragged him down, but he has a 3.16 ERA. So if he didn't have that five earned run start against the Mets, if he didn't have, uh, where is it, that seven earned runs against Baltimore, which is rough. There's no, there's no way around it. Other than those two games, he's been really solid. I guess you could include the Cincinnati start where he worked into the seven, gave up four earned runs, but... I mean, he still has a 3.16 ERA. That's really, really good, especially considering he pitches for the Cubs. It's also really good that he has eight victories. Like, that's that's pretty solid for the Cubs. You would not have expected that coming into the year. But, hey, 
wins are the hardest stat to predict for a reason. But if you keep going further here, he's about league average with strikeout and walk rates, 22% and 8.5%. He's not the most exciting guy to roster for sure, but he is a floor guy who can usually go out there and give you somewhere between five and six innings, strikeout five-ish guys. Like that's it's, If he can do that consistently, usually not get knocked around. There's a lot of value there. There really is. He's 43% rostered on Yahoo. 39% on ESPN. I think he's a decent add, even in 12s. I think that he can have 12-team value. Let's move on to a position player. We'll bounce back to some pitchers, but let's talk about Luis Garcia for a second here of the Nationals. He hit a home run last night. He was actually just a double shy of the cycle. Knocked in two runs. He had a very solid ball game. And for the season, he's batting 287. The only problem with Luis Garcia is that he doesn't really help out in any other category besides batting average. He hit the home run yesterday, sure, but that's only three. He only has one steal. He's batting low in a pretty mediocre lineup. He's definitely a deeper league guy, uh, especially if you need that boost in batting average. But he's just not going to help you out in so many other areas. So I know a lot of people really like Luis Garcia, but I don't think that there's really so much of a fantasy move to be made here. If I go and pull up his roster percentages only 6% on Yahoo. He's actually been dropped 2% over the last week. I think that he can have some deeper league value and some points league value, but I agree with the masses as a whole that there's not there's not so much of a move to be made here. Just more a nice story other than any actionable fantasy move here. Cal Raleigh hit another home run last night for Seattle, and he is like the Mike Zanino of this year, in my opinion. He's not going to hit as many home runs as Zanino hit, but that same kind of mold He'll have in that 25-ish home run range if all goes according to plan here. He's batting 211. It's it's very Mike Zanino-esque. If you need some power, if you need someone to just fill in the catcher slot, if you just need a warm body there, Cal Raleigh, Raleigh, I think it's Raleigh. I'm just assuming it's Raleigh because of the city in Carolina. I would absolutely go ahead and add him. He is currently 15% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. Only jumped up 3% this last week. He's hit five homers over the last month. He's been pretty solid, even with the batting average, three, uh, 234 over the last month. It's not going to knock you down. But compared to 211 for the season, you'll definitely take it. Catcher is a bit of a shit show. We all know this. A guy like Rayleigh who can actually hit you home runs, uh, I would be all for it if you're in need of a bit of a boost from the catcher side. Let's take a minute or two here and talk about Carlos Rodon, who is far and away the shithead of the night for his it wasn't even about the field. It wasn't even about what he did baseball-wise. It was what he did when he came off the field. So he threw six innings. He struck out 10 and gave up five earned runs. He walked two, and he allowed three hits. So there was a Christian Walker three-run home run in there, and Sergio Alcantara also hit a home run. Now, when he was pulled, he walks into the dugout. You can see it online. The video is everywhere. He kicks a bat into Tyro Estrada, his teammate's knee. And Estrada, I'm not sure how serious it was. I don't think it's too bad, but I, who knows with a knee. It doesn't take much with a knee. That's besides the point, really, how bad it is. I mean, obviously, if it's bad, then it's, it's a worse situation. But, like, what the hell is Rodon thinking, man? Is he just, like, watching Chris Sale and taking notes? I don't understand. I don't get this. You know, you, I've, I used to be a pitcher, not obviously anywhere near this level. But you have bad outings, you come off the field, and you're pissed off, you know? Go for a jog. Go do something, you know. Go back into the clubhouse, and if you really want to take your anger out on something, then, you know, throw throw something. But just don't direct things like that where there's a group of people, your teammates, professional athletes, you're kicking around a bat. First of all, you might just end up breaking your toe or something stupid like that and having to miss time. But he 
hit one of his teammates, one of his valuable teammates. Like, I don't get this. I don't understand why this is something that people enjoy in sports. It's, I, I think most people recognize it as total clownery. And, you know, I, I like Carlos Rodon. I do really like Carlos Rodon. So this is not like, oh, he's a bad person now or something. No, it's just like you need to call out stupidity when you see it. And that last night was just ridiculous. I, I have no – I think that the Giants should suspend him realistically. I don't think they will because, you know, the – would do nothing but hurt them. But I think that he should be missing a start in the rotation. The Giants are currently right now, I believe they fell under 500 last night. Um, Let me see. They are 48 and 49. They're 16 back of the division right now. It's not looking great in the wild card. They're only two and a half back, so it's possible because of these expanded spots. So they don't want to try and hinder their chances of making the playoffs. I get that. But that kind of shit, if I was Kapler, I would just be like, you know what, Carlos, you're not starting your next game. You're going to sit here on the bench for the next 10 days. You're not starting any baseball games, and you're just going to watch your teammates. You're going to go out there and warm up and do everything else that you normally would have to do, but you're not going to start in the game. I think that there needs to be some level of, you know, these guys can't just go around with impunity doing whatever the hell they want. Like Chris Sale, okay. He destroyed a TV and part of a wall, I think, and just, you know, he didn't actually hurt anybody, you know, other than the people who had to clean that up were probably not too thrilled. But he didn't actually hurt anybody. When you actually start to hurt your teammates, regardless if there's intent or not, I think you should be sitting down for at least one start. Let me know what you guys think because that's where I currently stand on it. I love Carlos Rodon, and I'm saying this as someone who has him in a lot of leagues, and he's been one of the more important pieces of my team this season. But that kind of shit, for me, does not fly. I think it's ridiculous. I don't think that the team should stand for it. I don't think that the league should stand for it either. So I think that there should be something done. Maybe there will be. Maybe there won't be. We'll see what happens going forward. My guess is probably nothing is going to happen there. Let's talk about Hunter Renfro for a quick sec. He hit his fourth home run in five games yesterday. He's putting on a really decent year, actually. I mean, now this, this last week has really helped there. But 33 runs, 17 homers, 39 RBIs. He's batting 252. That's totally serviceable, totally fine. He's 67% rostered on Yahoo and 71% on ESPN as of this morning. He's likely taken. But if he's not, then I would go ahead and add him. At the very least, you know, you can just stick him into your lineup in the interim if you have a streaming slot. Even if you don't, I think that he's someone you should be adding for the short term. He's on a complete tear right now. When he falls back to earth, then you can drop him, but you don't even have to drop him. That's the beauty about Renfro is that his baseline is still good enough to be a rosterable player. Absolutely. Last year, if you look at what he did, he had, what was it, 38 home runs? It was 30, oh, 31 home runs. Who had 38? Maybe it's Adam Duvall I'm mixing him up with. He had 31 home runs, 96 RBIs, batted 260. He's on pace to do something similar, not the same RBIs, but he's probably going to have about 30-ish home runs. Bat around 250, 260. Like, the RBIs are not going to be there, sure. But he's going to do pretty similar damage to what he did last year. So I would not be leaving Hunter Renfro on any waivers if he is. Probably not too many, but just make Let's talk a little bit about George Kirby, who came back last night and had a really good start here against Texas. Five innings, two hits, one walk, four strikeouts. Only threw 51 pitches. I wasn't watching this game. I'm not sure why they kept him only at 51. It seems really low. Uh, they just want to try and ease him back, I guess. I, I don't know. It seems like a really low number to stop him at before he was getting up close to 100 into the 90s, 100 pitch range. So I think next time out, we'll probably see him get back up to what we've known this season, which is 
anywhere between 80-ish and 100 pitches. So maybe they just wanted to give him a bit of a breather yesterday. I don't know. He was down to the minors for a little while. Come, uh, well, not for really for that long, just for, what was it, two weeks or so during the All-Star break. He didn't do great while he was sent down. He had a bit of a rough start for Tacoma. Maybe they just wanted to give him a little bit of a, a taste of the major leagues again, just not push their luck. I get it. Uh, Kirby needs to be rostered in all formats as far as I see it. He's improved his stuff throughout the season. He's got a 3-5 ERA and a 1-2 whip. Striking out about one batter per inning, and Seattle's actually been a fairly solid team recently. I know they had some trouble uh, running into Houston over the weekend, but they've been really good. I think that Kirby's just going to keep getting better and better. He should not be on any waiver wires as, as far as I see it anyway. Hunter Green also had a pretty solid start himself last night. Six in the third, six strikeouts, two earned runs, one walk, and nine hits. The nine hits are a little rough. You maybe hope that those strikeouts and hits are reversed. Six hits and nine Ks, no. Uh, it's unfortunate only six strikeouts for him. And most people, you'd say six strikeouts is not a big deal. Well, it's actually been six these last couple of times out. And if you take away that one where he had nine, you're looking at five, five, three, six, six. Yes, that nine still happened, but it's it's not been great recently for strikeouts for Hunter Green. I will say that. Like, that has been his main category. And if that is his only category, he's really going to help in most of the time. It needs to be a bit better than five or six. It has been earlier in the season. He's kind of fallen off a little bit in that department. We were seeing him go like four or five innings and still have six, seven strikeouts. Now he's going five, six innings and still having the same amount of strikeouts. So I don't like Hunter Green this season in redraft. I think that next year he's going to be a great asset. I think he'll be picked somewhere in the 300s or so next year probably, maybe even lower. I don't know where he's going to be picked in redraft, but that's my guess, somewhere in the 300 range, and he's going to vastly outperform that next season. That's what I think is going to happen. I think it'll be similar with Josiah Gray, but these two guys, I mean, Gray I'm more comfortable with for this year. Hunter Green is more of a next-year guy, the odd stream maybe if you're ballsy, but for me, uh, I'm not so into um, into having him on my teams this season. I have him on one points league team. It doesn't hurt you too badly in points, so I'm fine with having him there. Let's break down the waiver wire now. We've spent a lot of time going through yesterday's games. I also did spend a bit of time on Carlos Rodon there, so my apologies. I just, that was so stupid. You just feel like you need to say something when that kind of stupid shit happens because, like, ah, I won't get into it again. I'll spend another 20 minutes on it. But we'll start talking about the waiver wire breakdown here. The number one added player today by a long shot, Braxton Garrett. Again, this happened yesterday, and I don't really get it. He's had two good starts in a row. They've been against Pittsburgh. He did very well, no question. 12 innings, 18 Ks, that's fantastic. He's starting in Cincinnati tonight. That right there, I don't like whatsoever. We've seen it happen to the best of the guys this season. And, you know, sometimes pitchers can go in there and perform well, whether it be the home starter or whatever. Like Hunter Green had a pretty decent start there last night. It does happen. It's not like you have to sit these guys there. But I think... We're kind of in a honeymoon phase with Braxton Garrett at the moment. I just don't think we need to really, I don't think we can rely on this going forward. It was a nice couple of starts there, but I'm, I have a feeling that this is going to be a really ugly night for Braxton Garrett. So I'd, I'd be avoiding him at all costs when you're, when you're making your ads for tonight. Cole Irvin is another guy who I would not be adding. I really like him as a whole. I think he is worthy of an ad, but for tonight's game, it's against Houston. I'm not going to be into it. Yes, it's in uh, it's in Oakland. So you got a pretty decent ballpark there, but I'm still just I'm not into it, man. He's faced them twice recently, twice in July. 
and he did well in both of those starts. He's due for a bad one against uh, Houston. This is not scientific. Sometimes you just have to know generally how trends work. And when someone does well against a team twice in a row, especially when they're not the greatest of starters, and even more so when that lineup is as potent as Houston is, the third time that that player faces them, especially in a short proximity, you have to be really on edge about what they're going to give you. I would not be anywhere near him for tonight. I do like him as an ad in the second half because he's really performed well recently. But here is just too risky for me. Stephen Kwan went three for five last night with a stolen base. I love me some Stephen Kwan. I really do. We talked about it with Spore on Monday. He's probably more of a five outfielder points OBP kind of guy. Those are the formats where he's going to have the most value anyway. Like five outfielder, absolutely. He's a must roster player in five outfielders. Uh, points leagues, yes. He doesn't need to do so much in the other stats to really have value in a points format. And obviously OEP, he gets on base quite a bit. In those leagues, absolute must add. If you're just talking a standard 12-teamer, I don't know that he's really going to cut it for three outfield formats. But right now, he's on a complete tear. He's hitting well. He's stealing bases. He even hit a home run the other night. So can this be a second half for Stephen Kwan like we saw in the first month or so? I think it can be. Kyle Finnegan is also on the list today of most added players. He's got a couple saves in a row now. He is the closer over there with no Tanner Rainey anymore. I think that he's going to get probably every single opportunity. Uh, Carl Edwards Jr. may get the odd one. Uh, it's hard to say exactly with Washington. But if you are in desperate need of saves, Kyle Finnegan is a very strong option sitting out there. Only 20% rostered, so I'd go and try and make a move there if you can. Andrew Heaney. You guys remember Andrew Heaney? He's coming back. Remember how good he was at the beginning of the year? He's not going to do that anymore. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. It's Andrew Heaney. Uh, he was really good for those 15 innings we've seen him pitch this season, 23 strikeouts. I just don't think we can expect any more of this, and I feel really bad for the 65% of people who have held on to Andrew Heaney all year. Man, like he's just not good. He's made us forget about how bad he is this season because he's only pitched, what is it, three times, and they've been good outings. And specifically, he had that one where he struck out 11 uh, we are we are way overvaluing Andrew Heaney here. Now, there's a chance he comes back and has a decent start just because it is the Nationals and makes me look like a horse's ass. But Andrew Heaney, for his nine-year career, has a 463 ERA. He is not a massive asset really anywhere. He's decent with the strikeouts. He's, the best thing he has going for him is that he's pitching for the Dodgers. But he's really not worth it. I, I, in the long term, he's truly not First start off the injured list here is a shoulder thing. I don't know how deep they're going to let him go here. It's, uh, man, they're going to be using a six-man rotation apparently during this stretch. So this is going to be a stream for now. Yeah, he'll start again in six days. Is it worth holding on? Is it worth adding in the first place, first of all? Uh, I'd say probably not. If you do, if you've already added him, you might as well. You might as well try him out tonight, see how he does. If he does well, I suppose then you hold him because that's what we do in this world, but I'm so out on Andrew Heaney. I'm just he's like he's in like in the Dylan Bundy category for me. He's in that same grouping of pitchers. And they both started off well this season. And they're both not that good. We saw it with Bundy. We haven't had a chance to see it with Heaney because he's been hurt. I promise you we will, and I promise you it's gonna be ugly at some point. So if you've held on, uh, you're brave. I think that you're gonna be rudely awakened when he starts this afternoon. Maybe it won't happen this afternoon. Maybe it'll happen next time, but there will be 
some true ugliness for Andrew Heaney uh, at some point. Jose Miranda is also on the ad list. He's been a top 50 player this past month. Don't look now. 20 RBIs in the span of a month. 10 runs, 4 homers. He's batting 362. He's eligible at first and third, and I think that he's definitely at this point, he's a must in 15s, and I think he's a borderline in 12s, depending on your position eligibility there, or not your eligibility, your roster uh, settings, essentially. If you have CI slots, if you have, like, how, how does it work exactly? If you just have one first base and one third base slot, likely it'll be hard to fit Miranda in. But if you have, you know, a couple of middle infield, corner infield, and all this stuff, there's a lot of different settings. So, if you have some flexibility there at your first and or third base positions, then Jose Miranda should be a solid addition to your teams there. Josh Rojas, he is the next guy being added. We talked about him yesterday. He didn't play uh, yesterday's game, but if you look at what he's done so far this season, five home runs, 28 RBIs, 11 steals, a 279 batting average. Eligible second, third, short, and in the outfield. He's a must-add player, absolutely. Ramon Urias as well, like, I've been on Urias for a couple weeks now, and I'm very happy that he's kept up his hot pace because of it. It makes me look smart. I always like that. It doesn't always happen. But Urias has made me look smart here, which I always appreciate. He's eligible at second, third, and at short. Like I said, he hit a home run yesterday. He's up to 11 on the season with 36 RBIs, 33 runs, and a 270 batting average. He'll take that all day. Over the last month, he's batting 397. 58 at-bats, 23 hits. Five home runs, 18 RBIs in the month for the Baltimore Orioles. That's not a small feat. He's done a fantastic job. 54% of leagues have scooped him up. He was already 8% rostered before that, so we're up to 62 for Ramon Urias. He's available in a lot of places. I would go and add him if you can. Let's move into the drops. Mitch White is the first drop here. He didn't do too badly yesterday, but I think people are just more utilizing him as a streamer. No problem there. I'm pretty indifferent on him as a whole. Brett Martin has had a couple of bad outings in a row trying to finish up games for the Rangers. Not great. I think he's three for five in his save opportunities. His ERA is up to 386. He's given up seven runs in his last four trips to the mound. Only five of them earned. So, I mean, there is that, but it's still not good. There's no way you can, you can phrase that that makes it good. Uh, I'm holding on. I'm still generally holding on here if you need the saves. I don't think that they've you know, officially replaced him as the closer or whatever. So if you're, if you're still desperate for saves, then, then keep him. If you, if you just had to add him as a luxury, like let's just say you added him because Josh Hader was scaring you there for a little while or whatever, and you have a solid core, then I'd maybe try and switch him out for, uh, for Finnegan. But I don't think that this is that big of a panic button moment here. I think it's a couple bad outings. I think he'll probably get the next start, and then we'll see, or the next start, the next uh, high leverage relief appearance there in the ninth inning. And I think that we should probably see him rebound a little bit. This is just a couple of really bad games in a row. It's rare that you see this happen so consistently with a reliever. I'd be inclined to hold on if you are able to. Spencer Watkins, he's been dropped quite a bit, and he surrendered 10 hits. Three runs, not great stuff. He was a streamer. Absolutely send him to the wire. Hunter Green, we talked about Hunter Green. I'm really big on him, but this season is probably not going to be the year for him. He hasn't had those massive strikeout numbers recently. Like, still good, but just not quite what we've become accustomed to with him. I like him a lot for Dynasty. I'm not big on him for the rest of this season. Jordan Montgomery, he got roughed up a little bit, gave up five runs and two and a third yesterday. 
The ERA is still at 3.50. The whip is still at 1.08. The main problem with George Montgomery's fantasy value is that the Yankees seem to hate him, and they never give him really any run support when he's out there. He just can't get victories. Even if he goes out there and pitches where he should get a victory, you look at the line and you think, oh, he must have won. No, he does not win ball games for them. He only has three on the season, which is just absurd, pitching for the best team in baseball with a 3-5 ERA and a sub-1.1 whip. I don't understand how that is even in the realm of possibility, but it is. I wouldn't be dropping him. People have dropped him, and they're very frustrated with this last month where he's pitched to a 4.78 ERA. A couple of bad outings in there, no question, but I'm not ready to move on from Montgomery for the reasons I said. He's pitching for a great team. These The lack of value has come from the lack of wins, which is nothing that he can control. So I'm not ready to move on from him yet. It hasn't been great, but we're still going to be holding here. Mackenzie Gore is the next guy we will talk about. He was put on the DL yesterday. He is a hard drop for me in redrafts. Absolutely get him the hell out of there. He wasn't starting anyway. Now he's got elbow inflammation. It's just really a worst-case scenario for Mackenzie Gore and for his fantasy managers and for the Padres, hoping maybe they were going to try and deal him at the deadline in some kind of Soto trade. Doesn't look likely right now. We'll see what happens, but I don't think it's going to happen. He is a hard drop. He is an absolute drop for me uh, in redraft. George Kirby. George Kirby. I don't know why people are dropping him. We just talked about him. I like him a lot. I would go and try and add him in those cases where people have dropped him. Now, I talked about Dylan Bundy there for a second. He allowed five runs on four innings. We saw at the beginning of the year he was doing really well, and I had I think it was a show with Bogman where we were talking about like some early season outliers and talking about Dylan Bundy and asking him if he bought it, and he was like, absolutely not. No, no way on Dylan Bundy. And at that point, he had like a one-point-something ERA. He's up over five now. If you're still holding on to Dylan Bundy, hoping for miracles, it's probably time to uh, look for something a little different here. On to the last segment today, we are going to be looking at the best pitching matchups of the evening and of the afternoon because there are quite a few afternoon games. Usually I give you guys one, sometimes two, really there's usually one that stands out to me and then I talk about that. Tonight there are, or today, there are a lot of good pitching matchups. So the first one that really comes to mind, 1.10 p.m. Eastern time, Padres and Tigers, you Darvish and Tariq Skubal. Skubal has came off, well, he was doing very poorly there for a while heading into the break. He had a really good start against Oakland last time out. I'm hoping he can build off of that here at home. It's another good ballpark opportunity. He was in Oakland, now he's at Comerica. He's facing a pretty good offense, but he should be able to keep the ball in the yard. Go. I'm hoping for five, six strong innings here out of Tariq Skubal. Now, they t- mentioned yesterday, actually, just as a brief side, uh, I think that they said that they would trade Tariq Skubal, if I'm not mistaken. And again, Everything you see on Twitter, I mean, take it with a grain of salt. But I seem to remember, yeah, they're willing to trade Tariq Skubal and just about everyone. So maybe this will be some kind of a showcase for them. I don't know what the hell their plan is exactly. But we'll see what happens with Skubal uh, after the start. Could be his last start as a Tiger. Who knows? You Darvish, on the other side, has been, honestly, one of the more surprising pitchers to me this season. I thought earlier on, once his strikeout rate fell and didn't really recover so much, he's gotten better, but it's still not where it used to be. I thought this was the beginning of the end for him, but it really hasn't been. He's pitched to a 3.28 ERA, a sub-1 whip. He's been really good for most of the season. There was a couple of rough outings, and that nine earned runs against San Fran in April I think it was the second start of the season. That that sunk his ERA. Now, I say sunk. It's still a 3.28. So imagine if he didn't have those nine earned runs in there. 
that's probably the best pitching matchup today. I mean, it, there's definitely one of them. When we move on to the next one here, Logan Webb and Zach Allen. I think this one has a low-key potential to be another real pitcher's duel, another pitcher-friendly ballpark here in Arizona. Logan Webb is an ace. Uh, he's really not appreciated as such, but he is an ace. He struggled a little bit with control recently, a lot of walks, specifically four last time against the Dodgers. But you, you do get a bit of a pass against the Dodgers for really any kind of bad performance. I'm still hugely in on Logan Webb. This should be a great opportunity here in a good ballpark against the Diamondbacks. Now, Zach Gallen on the other side has also been very good this season. 3-3-1 ERA. He's coming off a great start against the Nationals where he went seven strong innings, only gave up two hits, and struck out seven. This should be an absolute pitcher's duel here. The last one we're going to focus on will be my Toronto Blue Jays facing St. Louis Kevin Gosman and Adam Wainwright. This is a really solid matchup low-key. Kevin Gosman really underappreciated this season as far as I see. He's been one of the better pitchers in all of baseball. I know I'm a little biased. If you look at the advanced stats and you look at what he's done pitch-wise, especially with his splitter, uh, there are very few pitchers who are as good as he is this season. I, I, if you At least this season. I mean, in baseball, even the last few years now, he's turning into he's turned into one of the better pitchers that we have around. So... I don't understand certain disrespect, the All-Star game being chiefly among them. I don't know, maybe he told them he didn't want to participate because he was just nursing an injury. He had started a game for the Jays before the break. He could have probably gone out there and thrown an inning. Maybe he told them he didn't want to be added to the team. I find that hard to believe. I think that they just screwed him over for whatever reason, the same way they screwed over Dylan Cease. I don't understand it, but there's a lot of things in this sport, considering I focus all of my attention on it, that I really don't understand. There are things in baseball... That do not make sense, but that's, you know, I could do a whole two-hour, five-hour podcast about things that don't make sense with baseball. Kevin Gosman, for me, does make sense tonight. He is fantastic, great option. Even in DFS, because we're facing a St. Louis team that is missing Aaron Otto and Goldschmidt, should be not too expensive and a great play here. Adam Wainwright on the other side. I'm a huge fan of Adam Wainwright. First off, I've adored St. Louis for a lot of my life. I've been a Blue Jays fan and a bit of a Cardinal fan. Rays fan for a little while there because I used to vacation down in Florida. But I, the, the minor league team I played for was called the Cardinals. It was called the Royal York Cardinals. And I loved Albert Pujols and Adam Wainwright. So this series has been really cool for me seeing them. I mean, it's only two games, which is unfortunate. But last night, seeing Albert Pujols get that standing O before his first at bat, that was a great moment. I really, really love that they did that for him. But Adam Wainwright is having another season here, like last year, where we didn't think he was capable of this anymore. Yeah, he's coming off a bad start at Great American Ballpark. It happens. Other than that, he's been pretty consistently excellent for the season. He came into that previous start with a 3.00 ERA. I really like what he's been able to do this season. Now, is he an elite pitcher anymore? No, he is not. But he is more than serviceable. I think he's still mainly rostered. I think some people might have given up on him. Oh, no, he's still 89% rostered. Okay, I was thinking after that, since he started, some people might have flipped the switch on him, but people are still happily content to, to roster Adam Wainwright, which is good because he is more than worthy of a roster spot. Should be a very fun day of baseball. A lot of great pitchers, even ones I didn't mention because their matchups as a whole aren't so great, but we also have Corbin Burns going today. We have Charlie Morton going today, who's been very good. Christian Javier, John Gray, Luis Castillo. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. And, of course, how could I forget Max Scherzer in the Subway Series tonight against Domingo Herman? There's a lot to like in baseball right now. It's a very exciting time with the deadline coming up. Fantasy teams are trying to get their, get their shit together for the stretch run here, cut any dead weight off the team, pick up the hottest new thing. 
It's a really exciting time to be a fantasy manager. And I'm hoping that you guys are enjoying what we're doing here on the show. If you do like it, hit the subscribe button. That number one, that's really important because some days you can't listen to the show. I get it. Some days there's just too much stuff going on with kids, with your job, with your pets, with your parents, with whatever, and you just can't listen to it. Life absolutely gets in the way, no question. If you are subscribed to the show, however, wherever you get it, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Apple, wherever, if you subscribe, then you just get those downloaded every day. You keep the numbers going. Even if you can't listen, which I would very much appreciate, that would be something that I hope you guys will do today if you haven't already. Now, one last time, we have a trade deadline show coming up next Tuesday. Go ahead and subscribe to the Sports Ethos YouTube channel. Click the bell so you get notified when that happens. It will be 3 p.m. Eastern time, so 12 p.m. Pacific on Tuesday, August the 2nd. We'll be live for four hours. Should be a lot of fun. I'm thinking I might need to get somebody to pop in there for 10 minutes just to give me a bit of a bathroom break in the middle. We'll see if I can swing it. If not, I'm just going to have to hold it. Either way, it'll be a lot of fun with you guys. Live chat will be open. You guys can send in questions. I'm hoping that everybody tunes in. But until tomorrow, I'm Joe. Cheers, everybody. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.